with the latest on the corporate front, all the market trends, expert opinion, and sound business advice. It is your unique window into the business world, direct from the heart of China. Hello and welcome to Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. China held its Central Economic Work Conference this week as Chinese leaders decided on the priorities for next year's economic work. President Xi Jinping delivered a speech at the meeting. The conference acknowledged China's recovery in the year 2023, emphasizing high-quality development progress. It also highlighted self-reliance in science and technology, expanding domestic demand, and deepening supply-side structural reform. Despite some challenges, the meeting affirmed a positive long-term outlook for China's recovery, calling for stronger confidence. So, for more on this, joined us on the line now are Dr. Zhou Mi, senior research fellow with the Chinese Academy of International Trade and Economic Cooperation, Chen Jiahe, chief investment officer at Novemaki Technologies, and also Yan Liang, professor of economics, Willamette University. So, Dr. Zhou, I will start with you. What's your main takeaways from this year's uh, uh, Central Economic Work Conference? What kind of signal or message does it send? Yeah, from my observation, I I noticed that、uh, this conference has、uh, made some kind of、uh, you know the positive、uh, on the development of this year's economy. I think it's a very important one because、uh, this year is the first year after the COVID, so we have a lot of、uh, recoveries. I, I mean that. The economy is is getting better and、uh, with some more resilient ways. For the next year, I think that the signal is very clear that China is not only trying to have a, a fast fast speed of development. Instead of just the speed, we are trying to make more consensus or you know emphasize on the on the ways of the quality. So the high quality is one of the very important signal we can find from these expressions. And the higher quality means not only about the speed. It's about how can we achieve our goal. The goals are very clear that we are not trying to repeat what we have been doing for many decades, like to expand the capabilities, but also trying to improve the qualities for cooperation with others, and also trying to make a better use of these. Uh, policies and the second message I would see is about the consensus about different policies. So、uh, I think that from this conference, it's、uh, emphasized that we should not only trying to trying to aim in、uh, different ways. We should trying to cooperate by the fiscal policies, by monetary pop,、uh, policies, and trying to unify or trying to make it、uh, in the consensus ways in the direction for helping to achieve the higher quality development.、Mm-hmm. So, Dr. Zhou mentioned high quality development. So, Jiahe, what do you think are the biggest factors or most important factors that contributed to China's economic recovery this year? Well, if we look at this year, there has been well, majorly two contributions.、Uh, one actually comes from the consumption. If you look at the overall consumption data, you might find that the overall consumption growth is not very large. But you have to separate this data into two different categories.、Uh, one is a category that is a Associated with the real estate market,、um, and the other one is the ones that is not having a lot of connection with the real estate market. And if you look at the second category, which really tells you the potential of China's economic growth in the future, you can see that the second category is growing actually quite strong this year.、Uh, so this is one of the most important cornerstones for China's economic growth in the next decade or two.、Uh, another area comes from the new industries, as we call it, like. 
like green economy, environmental protection, uh, production of own computer chips, these kind of things. So if you look at these economic sectors, they have been developing very rapidly this year. Uh, and they actually helped with the Chinese economy into a, a, a territory that has a higher GDP, a better environment, all things like these. Mm. So yeah, actually, uh, our guest uh, mentioned consumption and green economy. What do you think about these two sectors? Right. So I pretty much agree. If you look at the data, consumer spending contributed to uh, contributed 83% to economic growth in the first three quarters of this year. So what that means is the consumption is really driving uh, the economic recovery. And the kinds of consumption we're talking about is not only the consumption of services, um, which is typically associated with the reopening of the economy. We see more tourism, we see more people, you know, eating out and so on and so forth. But we're also seeing uh, increased consumption on, for example, smartphones. Um, in October, the smartphone uh, sales increased by 18% year on year. And we're also seeing automobile sales, um, especially the new energy vehicles that jumped by 37.5% in October year on year. So we are seeing the kinds of consumption demand that is um, is is growing, and despite you know all the other headwinds, we're still seeing quite strong consumer demand, which is very helpful for economic recovery. And the second point is yes, I agree. Um, so a lot of these uh, you know high tech sectors, they're also very much related to the green economy. So we're looking at solar batteries, lithium ion uh, batteries, and also EV, and all of these are growing rapidly, um, you know, in China and also in the export markets as well. So I think, yes, the high quality uh, growth means that we're going to continue with industrial upgrading, we're going to continue to build the green transition, we're going to continue to engage in the so-called high level opening, but then also trying to lifting, you know, people's living standards in the same time. Hmm. So, Dr. Joe, so on expanding the domestic demand or the consumption, you know, the policymakers said that the work should be done to increase the domestic demand and create an environment where consumption and investment promote each other. So how do you interpret that goal? Yeah, for the consumption, I, I think that uh, consumption is one of the main forces. If we are trying to look at some of the developed economies, they are transforming from the manufacturing driven economies to our consumption driven economies. I would say that consumption is uh, one of the very large potentials for Chinese market because we have such a large population and uh, what's more, there's so many diversification about the differences in the different regions in China, like for the western part of China, they are trying to improve the urbanization rate are quite a lot. So they are developing much more possibilities for the consumers to consume. Well, as uh, the experts has pressed that we have some new products and services that providing the consumers so many more interesting areas to consume. Well, I have to say that the consumption is not a very easy task for reach and it's not only about the scenarios. So I, I think that for the focus of the policies, the government is trying to increase the incomes of the consumers. So we are able to provide a better uh, better jobs opportunities and trying to improve employees the innovations and trying to make a better position and creating more jobs. So I think that in this regard, I would believe that uh, consumers are able to do more businesses. I, I mean, not only in China, but also to go to other countries. So we, we can find that in the recent months, we are uh, trying to open the market with an even wider 
uh, wider door and we cooperate with other countries to let uh, the peoples to move in, in and out much more easier. So I believe that next year there is also another driving forces for the consumers to have a better conception, which is definitely one of a very good signal for the conceptions to continue its uh, sustainable growth. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Zhou, so given all the uh, internal and external environment for China's economy, you know, the meeting said that overall favorable conditions outweigh the unfavorable factors in China's development. So what do you see as the favorable factors that will continue to support China as a major contributor to the global economy? Yeah, I, I think that China is still one of the main the provider of the manufacturing products. That is uh, one of its uh, advantages because we are so good at uh, producing the manufacturing products. And no matter what some of the uh, you know the labor intensive uh, industries maybe change its uh, its supply chain, but we are still one of the most important one to supply these uh, many manufacturing products and also those for the consumers. Well, the second is that China is a very important innovative center. I mean, it's uh, not only are idea-oriented uh, places, but also created so many rooms for the uh, foreign direct investors and also Chinese uh, uh, local companies. They can cooperate in many areas, and you can find that there are many new areas, not only the free trade zones like what we have proposed in Xinjiang and in some other provinces, but also some other kind of uh, forms to promote the cross-border e-commerce, uh, the income, uh, the import, and uh, some of the innovation-based uh, development. So I would say that the center for China to create more new ideas is uh, in this way. And the third one, I think that China is a very important contributor to the global, I mean, the international, the rules on the trade and investment. We are uh, we are trying to support the development in the e-commerce, the digital economy, and even the artificial intelligence. So I think that is a kind of very important way for the governance issues because the companies can only rely on these rules before they can make some longer-term decisions. Mm. And so, Jiahe, so based on the signal sent from the Central Economic Work Conference, how do you think China's policymakers will prioritize the economic work for the next year? What do you expect from the uh, you know, monetary and fiscal policy side? Well, I think we have uh, quite many uh, priorities. I mean, it's, it's very hard. Well, if we, if we want to, to say there is one priority, then, then that is uh, what we call uh, sustainable growth. We want the growth with a sustainable uh, speed so that this growth can be continued in many, many years, not just having the growth rate next year. And if you separate this uh, task into uh, different categories, you mm. see multiple tasks actually facing the Chinese go- uh, government. For example, stimulating the consumption is one of the most important things. Also developing the green economy, protecting the environment, uh, curing the environment problems is also very important. If you look at the environmental industry right now, it's, it's actually very large. We have been investing in some uh, uh, garbage dealing companies, which has been uh, performing pretty well during these financial years. So you can see Chinese companies has been, uh, uh, Chinese companies really have been investing a lot of money into these categories. And it's also the uh, important category of developing the, the computer chips, all these kind of things. You know, we, we have to build our own chips in case that in the future, our importing of the computer chips or mobile chips are blocked again, which is possible. You, you, you never know what happens in the next decade. Mm-hmm. So, so it's all the, facing all the 
these tasks, and if you ask uh, what the fiscal policy and uh, the monetary policy should do, then you would understand that with all these very detailed tasks, it's very hard for you to say, okay, I'm going to pump in a lot of liquidity into the economy, I'm going to cut the interest rates, and everything is going to work out itself. It's, it's pretty hard for you to do that because you have all these detailed tasks to do. So if you look at the monetary policy and the fiscal policy, particularly for the fiscal policy, you can see that there are actually a lot of detailed plans facing each individual task. So it's not the overwhelming uh, flooding of the liquidity into the economy that will work out. It requires a lot of small projects to help each industry and each category in order to achieve a better result. Mm. So Dr. Zhou, actually officials say they will implement a proactive fiscal policy and a prudent monetary policy, which they describe as flexible, moderate, precise and effective. So how do you explain that? We know that the situation is very complicated. You know, there are so many different opinions on the policies. Like for the for the monetary policies, the China, United States and some other countries have different preference and also the attitudes towards this, uh, these policies, which has a very important impact on the international flow of the capitals. And for the fiscal policy, I would say that China has, uh, you know, recovered from the COVID and, uh, you know, for this year, year, year of 2023, we have worked so much to try to address, uh, you know, the tasks that we have been left in the COVID. But for next year, I think that it's uh, a greatly uh, change of the direction. We are more encouraging some of the, the higher quality development that is based on the ability not only for the infrastructure, but also for the human resources. So I think that the monetary policy and the and fiscal policies, they need to be coordinated, which is a very important signal. I, I would heard from this conference that they are trying to make a, a direction much more, you know, uh, depending on the situation of the domestic market. Well, China is a very uh, responsible country. We are not only trying to spill over our risks to other countries, but we have to take care of the risks uh, coming in. So mm -hmm. we, we are very cautious about that, and that is also one very important part in this conference that we are trying to address the big risks and we are trying to resolve these risks to prevent it from going around and attack the real economy. Mm -hmm. So Yen China will guide financial institutions to increase the support for technological innovation, the green transformation, small and micro businesses and the digital economy. So what does this say about the economic priorities? So I think the priorities are two. One is to continue to promote stability and to prevent any financial risks. Um, so one thing that we know is, you know, we'll, with the real estate market adjustments or the sector's adjustments, um, you know, the central bank is trying to make sure that some of the financial risks are contained. So they are providing targeted liquidity. liquidity um, to certain developers and then also trying to consolidate and support some of the CD commercial banks. They're more exposed to the real estate sector. So stability is very important. Uh, and two, um, the second point is that these financial institutions are going to really support the real economy um, as opposed to, you know, just financialization for its own right.
right. So this idea that we need to harness these financial instruments and the liquidity in a targeted way to, for example, support small and micro businesses as well as scientific and technological innovations. So as the panelists talked about earlier, um, so there's a lot of emphasis on industrial upgrading in digitized digitalized economy, in greening the economy. So all of these are where the financial resources should be directed to. So the development of green bonds, transition finance, um, all of these should be um, really targeting at, you know, promoting green technologies or um, green energies and other, you know, industrial uh, goods that are sustainable and they're green, they're low carbon. So I think that basically means that all of these are integrated. So when we have a goal of high quality development, then all these policy tools should be coordinated in a way that would support that high quality development goal. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Joe, so the meeting said to further promote economic recovery, we need to overcome some difficulties and challenges. So what challenges are they talking about? And how does China plan to address those issues? In my understanding, the challenges are in two ways. The first one is from the international market. We see that uh, there are still many protagonism and unilateralism, which is a kind of a very important block for the global trade and investment. It is a very, very difficult for one country to separate from the other countries. So China is trying to advocate the openness by ourselves and also cooperating with many other countries around us or you know, in the supply chain regionally or globally. So I think that is a kind of ways that we can benefit both sides by the openings. And that is one challenges I have to mention. And the second is that we're domestically, we are facing many challenges also because technology has brought so many new possibilities and the development and improvement of the efficiency has has driven so many industries and sectors to change its format and the ways of providing services. So actually, these are bringing so many new impacts on the economies. How can we cooperate with others? How can we deal with uh, the problems about the human resources uh, lackage? We have to be very careful to design and uh, to incorporate many of the areas, including the education, including some of the small and medium-sized enterprises, including how can we cooperate in the supply chains and industrial chains. So for these challenges, we are not trying to face by the protagonism. We are still trying to welcome the, the investment from other countries, and we are trying to provide more opportunities with a more stable environment like for the business and the operation. Mm -hmm. So in this regard, I would say that uh, challenges are always there, but uh, in this year, the artificial intelligence and related technologies are reforming uh, the ways of uh, you know the cooperation about different sectors that is a really challenge and we have to face mm. so yeah actually dr joe mentioned about uh, technology so actually the meeting said science and tech innovation should lead to development of a modern industrial system so what sectors and what kind of measures are you looking forward to um, so I think in terms of the sectors, the digital economy, artificial intelligence, and some of the strategic sectors like biomedical manufacturing and commercial air, uh, space aviation, 
all of these are um, very important uh, avenues to usher in that brighter, you know, industrial future in China. So going back to this question about, you know, um, what are the favorable conditions in China? So I think what is very important is China has established a very strong industrial base with all the infrastructure, the very complete supply chain, the very skilled workers. So all of these would help to continue to promote innovations and industrial upgrading. So I think, you know, many of these leading sectors will play a very important role to um, have the positive spillovers to um, other sectors. Um, now, in terms of the measures, I think uh, we talked about fiscal policies uh, before, and so there's definitely, you know, fee cuts, uh, tax cuts, and some of the subsidies to support, you know, research and development and some of the industrial upgrading. Uh, in terms of monetary policy, we also talk about, you know, to make sure that liquidity goes to these sectors that will help to drive economic growth in a sustainable and also, you know, efficient way. Um, in addition to that, I think there are also other, you know, policies, coordination that need to happen. So you will have environmental protection policies, you would have, um, you know, these uh, social programs to, you know, boost educational spending, for example, um, and trade policies that Dr. Joe mentioned. So I think all of these policies would have to work together um, in order to really promote the kinds of industrial upgrading and innovations um, going forward. Mm. So, Dr. Joe, now let's go to another priority, expanding high standard opening up of the country. Actually, that's about investment, that's about capital flow, and also about personnel flow. So how do you make of those measures so far? Yeah, we know that uh, for the development of the economy, we need to attract many of the new elements. I mean, from, from the goods, the services to the capital and also to the people. So China is uh, very active in doing a lot of these practices, as you may find that six countries, uh, I mean, the, the passport holders can come to China without applying for a visa for one year. So I think that is a, a kind of a, you know, start of a chain reaction. So we still can find more countries are also uh, trying to do more things to open the market. After the COVID, a lot of things has been, I mean, the policies have been applied by so many countries to block the flow of the people. Well, it is a really dangerous thing because that we are in the age of the globalization and the companies are trying to send the people around the world, trying to build the research centers in other countries. So in this way, China is trying to uh, have a, a gesture that we are not trying to stop the influence of the people. And by the same time, I think that uh, China is still trying to improve the conditions to supporting the inflow of the people, trying to provide them with easier uh, conditions to live here and with a, a better ways in the financial uh, support and the services and also other areas. So I think that is a kind of a very important important ways for us to attract the investors. Well, on the other hand, I, I can find that uh, there are so many messages has been sent by Chinese government that we are trying to welcome the foreign investors to be involved in the designing of the new standards or criteria or regulations. I think it's a kind of uh, what we have promised in the law of the FDI and we are trying to make it more effectively used by the government to make foreign investors more involved in the ways for us to have a better and a higher quality development. Mm -hmm. And so Xiaohe, the meeting also said China should strengthen the counter-cyclical and cross-cyclical adjustments of the macro policy next year. So what might this mean for the policy mix going forward? 
Well, when we talk about counter cycle and stuff like that, it's always mentioning too that the long term viewing of the economic policy, which is、mm. to say that, you know, in the economic history around the world, we have seen that so many economic policies、uh, have actually been made with a very short term view. For example, okay, you want the inflation to go downward this year, so we're going to strengthen the liquidity, and then that caused the economic、uh, slowdown, which was what happened in 1929, if you remember. And some, Some people say, okay, we want a free economy and we want to、uh, pump liquidity into it and we want everyone to do whatever they want. Okay, so people wrote a lot of、uh, you know, financial derivatives and that caused the 2008 global financial crisis. So that is to tell you that if you are talking about economic、uh, policy, you have to consider its impact in the next three to five years or even five to ten years. So this is what the Chinese government has been trying to do. Actually, in the global financial market, it has been. This kind of counter cycle or cross cycle economic policies that Chinese government has been doing has actually been、uh, praised quite significantly by many of、uh, famous investors. And yeah, so towards the end of the year, we are seeing more international institutions adjusting their forecasts for China's economic growth this year upwards. And this is showing how the international community is recognizing China's efforts and its recovery pace and its contribution to the world economy. So yeah, what do you make of that? So I think that goes back to the question of the favorable factors,、um, the beneficial kind of.、Uh, You know the, the the contributing factors to China's past growth, and so I think we talked about you know the very solid industrial base,、um, the very skilled and efficient working class,、um, also a lot of the determination for policymaking and the the space, the policy space、uh, for monetary, fiscal, industrial, trade policy maneuvers. So I think all these are contributing factors、um, for for China's、uh, economy. Um, but of course, there are challenges.、Um, the challenges include, you know, the lack of effective demand, the overcapacity in some sectors, and also、um, some financial risks, and so on and so forth. And the external environment could also become、um, even more of a headwind coming the years when EU is trying to restrict some of Chinese exports, and the United States is doubling down on technological. Ban、um, of you know exports of high tech products to China,、um, but that said, I think understanding all these challenges,、um, I think this conference still does a very good job in you know consistently pushing forward the、um, high quality development and come up with really sensible policy、um, sort of suggestions,、um, which is again not to just focus on the short term cyclical factors. But also, really, with an eye looking at the long term, the structural factors that will continue to provide the impetus for China's long term growth.、Mm. Well, we're speaking with Yan Liang, professor of economics, Villamet University; Dr. Zhou Mi, senior research fellow with Chinese Academy of International Trade and Economic Cooperation; and also Chen Jiahe, chief investment officer at Novan Archi Technologies. And that's all the time we have for this edition of Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Thank you so much for listening.